Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you for listening to this installment of Rated LGBT Radio. I am your host, Rob Watson, and I'm excited to have you here today. Um, As always, we promise a really great show, and we have one lined up for you. Uh, We have one of the bright stars of comedy, um, bright new stars of comedy um, on the line. She is about to debut her her first album, uh, Black and Blue. Her name is Corinda Dobbins. She uh, was called... The one of the six comedians you don't know yet, but you should, by Bitch Magazine. And um, we uh, actually, Brody, our producer, uh, happened to went Wanda Sykes and gave her a call. And Wanda said that uh, Corinda is definitely a bright star to watch. Um, so thumbs up um, with the Wanda Sykes seal of approval. Um, Corinda, Corinda has also opened for... Dave Chappelle, Trevor Noah, Michelle Wolf, um, Roy Woods, and others. Um, she was raised in Detroit, where she uh, got her start being a comedian, um, so her family says. And uh, then she started doing jokes about 12 years ago at an open mic in Oakland, and we're going to ask her about that story. Um, uh, Black and Blue, the album, is a collection of her her work. Um, it was delivered in a unique moment, and it it's hilarious, actually. I got to hear a preview copy of it, so um, and it is, um, yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, so when it comes out on February 4th, you're definitely going to want to grab that up. Um, before we go to Corinda, I do want to welcome to the show uh, my co-host, Brody LeBeck. Brody, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Rob. Good day, good morning, and hello to all of our listeners around the world. We appreciate you subscribing to our podcast, listening to our show, uh, and we encourage you to spread the word to all of your friends. Um, Last night was not a good night in the United States Senate for the Biden administration or for Senate Democrats. Two of the more conservative members of the Democratic Party in the Senate uh, essentially abandoned the party and voted with the uh, Republican uh, minority over the uh, change to the Senate rules, which in essence uh, meant that the voting rights legislation that was before the Senate, the Freedom to Vote Act, and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act were both defeated. Um Arizona Democratic Senator Kristen Sinema and West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin uh, had been quite clear and very public about their opposition to changing the filibuster rule uh, in the Senate and the Senate rules, which would have meant that a simple majority would have passed both those other pieces uh, of legislation. The filibuster, it should be noted, and this is historic of fact, was put into place in the Senate rules by people uh, that were, for all intents and purposes, uh, 
more more aligned with segregation and and that uh, chain of thought during that era of Jim Crow. Uh, it is a type of archaic Senate law that, quite frankly, needs to go away. Unfortunately, it's still there, and it was uh, utilized uh, to uh, basically shoot down both acts. Uh, Bob Weissman, who's the president of Public Citizen, uh, in an email to the Los Angeles Blade, uh, essentially said that Republicans across this country are engaged in a concerted effort to make it harder for people of color to vote. Extreme partisan and racial gerrymandering is stripping voters of meaningful influence. And proto-fascist forces motivated by Trump's big lie are actively organized organizing now to subvert the elections in 2022, this year, and 2024. Of course, their aim is to override actual results with predetermined uh, outcomes. Uh, The president and the vice president both expressed uh, their muted anger at what took place. And then, of course, the LGBTQ uh, movement itself, the equality rights movement, uh, weighed in. Kara Johnson, who's the executive director of the National LGBT Task Force, uh, said this in an email to the Los Angeles Blade. The failure to enact the freedom to vote and the John R. Lewis Act is a profound blow to our democracy. The inability to ensure voting rights for black and brown people and other vulnerable groups like LGBTQ people lays at the feet of those who voted nay. There are votes of political extremists the fear of losing power has become a justification for carving out LGBTQ folks, people of color, women, poor people, and other already marginalized groups from the political process. There will be um, some blowback as this goes through. The White House has obviously vowed uh, that it is not going to let this drop. At this point, as far as you know, Manchin and Cinema goes, uh, Cinema who uh, is openly out bisexual, uh, just pretty much um, earned the complete disdain of the LGBT political process and the people that are uh, the juice in that, such as the Victory Fund and others, uh, like Emily's List, who help fund uh, candidates. And uh, I think the Arizona senator probably just, yeah, did herself in there. Manchin, that's not a great surprise. He's in a conservative state. He's a conservative blue dog Democrat. Uh, he's one step away from being a Republican anyway. Um, the only real danger yeah. here, Rob, is that in Cinema's case, um, she could bolt and go independent and then ask McConnell to caucus with the Republicans. That's been done before. We could see that happening now. Uh, political observers and some of my sources on Capitol Hill told me today that's a likely outcome. What? Why? Is, here's what I don't understand. Why did they bring this up? Because this, none of this is a surprise. Not one iota of this is a surprise. They've been talking about it all year. It, it, was, it was a train wreck to begin with. Why did they push it? Well, you know, this was a priority for the administration. They they really, after what happened, uh, the events of January the 6th, uh, the ongoing 
resistance by the Republican Party and embracing the big lie. Uh, you know, now we're seeing redistricting uh, happening all over uh, the country that is disenfranchising uh, black voters in particular. Uh, this is especially true in places like Georgia and, quite frankly, across the South. We, we're even seeing in other what most people refer to as flyover states. Um, and then, of course, al- along with, you know, disenfranchising uh, black Americans, you know, uh, they're trying to well, no, Brody, yeah, Latino. I, yeah, I understand. The, I mean, the voting rights is horrific. It, it, is, it is a horror show that, that we absolutely need to fight. But to create this battle that was already a done deal before they even did it, it seems like rather than finding some way to, to deal with it, I, I just don't understand the rationale. I mean, is this something that because it was defeated, now they have a, some sort of voting right, voting issue that they're going to use in the midterms? Uh, you know, I just well, I there's, am there's going to be that as to why. You know. Well, I mean, they went know, the political it, sources w- and people that I've talked to, to are, well, you know, the thing of it is, is that, you know, the math isn't there for 2022. The House is more than likely going to flip, and the Senate definitely is going to flip, which is going to give the administration a hostile hill for its last two years until we go into the 2024 run. And the math isn't looking good for the Democrats there either. So, you know, the thought process was to try and push this through and then make it an issue that they could turn the 2022 midterms into, uh, you know, a political advantage or less of a route. You know, we don't know right now at this early point if that's going to be the case. Certainly it's going to have an impact. Black voters in particular are seriously pissed. And, you know, with enough push and enough allied effort there, that could flip a few House seats, which would keep the House in Democratic hands. The Senate is still questionable, but at least the House would maintain Democratic control, which would give the administration, you know, some edge. But the problem is, and, and Biden essentially said this in his uh, press conference with those of us in the press corps at the White House last night. I wasn't obviously there, but my colleagues at the White House. Uh, you know, he admitted to it. McConnell's doing the exact same thing he did during, you know, once the Republicans took control uh, during the Obama administration. And it's the same thing. It's, you know, this close to the division in the Senate effectively just locked the whole process up. I think it's just now dawning on the administration uh, that, you know, this work across the aisle just isn't going to work. It is basically scorched earth policy. The only way you're going to win this Okay, is you got to be ugly about it, and and that's something that the politicians that are sitting on Capitol Hill now of a certain age don't have the stomach for. It. The younger generation they're ready for it because no one really wants to see a repeat of the events that led up to you know January sixth, and certainly nobody wants a repeat of the Trump administration. So you know right. there is that. So so you kind of answered my question that yes they did this. So that they could use this as a uh, midterm issue. Now, right. you know, it's uh, it's going to be an issue no matter what we do at it. So yeah. Well, okay. Um, I, I, I'm still I'm I'm still confused. It seems it seems like uh, 
if they knew that was what was going to go into it, that, you know, pulling back and to your point, whatever they had to do to do something effective would have been better. I mean, this is, this is, you know, this is, this is a huge thing. This is our whole democracy that is in the balance and, um, you know, ineffectual efforts, uh, you know, are not going to cut it. Anyway, any other news on, on the horizon? We should uh, the, yeah. The only thing I wanted to mention real quickly is uh, a friend of the show and someone at the Los Angeles Blade has covered quite a bit, uh, runs the trans Latina, uh, coalition in Los Angeles, um, uh, Bambi Cicilito and her crew, um, their offices in Koreatown and L.A. got a bomb threat yesterday. They cleared the building out. The, uh, I spoke to the Los Angeles Police Department. The LAPD Rampart Division is investigating this. Um, Bambi, uh, in an Instagram, was extremely defiant, as well as he should have been today. Life will go on for them. But it also gives you an indication of, you know, the state of how things are. No one knows why the trans Latina coalition was targeted, but they were. Um, it was a credible threat. The Los Angeles Police Department uh, is investigating, and Bambi's not going to let it get to them, but my best to Bambi and her staff, uh, as well as to our Latino and Black trans brothers and sisters uh, in Los Angeles, because Bambi's organization does a wonderful job uh, of supporting that part of our community. And with that, I'll throw it back to you. All righty. Okay. <clears throat> so now we're going to shift gears completely. Um, and uh, we want to welcome on to the show our guest, uh, Corinda Dobbin. Uh, Corinda, like I said, is, is the person to watch, you know, in terms of the comedy scene. Um, she's got a huge following already, and her debut album is out February 4th. Corinda, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you guys for having me. Uh, our pleasure. So, Corinda, take us back to that night 12 years ago when you were in a club, I understand, with your girlfriend, and they had an open mic and just called your name. Uh, well, it was a little different than that. My, my girlfriend asked me if she found an open mic, um, if I would go, and I said yes, and only because I thought she never would find one. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> She she did end up uh, finding one and uh, at, at a cafe at Woody's Cafe in Oakland, and that's when uh, I made my my stand up comedy debut. Now she must have heard you doing comedy before then. I mean, she wouldn't have just woken up one day and we got to get you always, in front of I've, an open mic. <laughs> I've always been kind of funny around my family, you know, so. It, but it's one of those things, you know, it's kind of like when you hear a funny coworker, everybody thinks that, you know, maybe that person could do stand-up, you know, at some point. But, um, you know, being funny around your family and friends doesn't necessarily translate <laughs> to being funny around people you don't know. Well, so you never you know were, how it's going to go. Yeah, no, definitely. So um, what, was, what was, besides you being kind of coerced into it, um, was that always a dream of yours to stand up and do stand up? Never. I never thought about never. doing stand up comedy. No. It was never a dream of mine. I was just, you know, kind of brought up in a family that was 
a lot of people were funny, and we all just kind of told funny stories. And, you know, so I didn't think it was, like, anything particularly special. Uh, <laughs> it was just something that my family always did. So it was, like, I, I listened to stand-up comedy, and my family would play, like, Richard Pryor records and, um, you know, Red Fox. And, but uh, it, it was never something I aspired to do. Yeah, so so with your family, um, you were nicknamed Cold Breeze. What? Where did that come from? Uh, cool Breeze. Cool breeze. It's just my, yeah, Cool, cool breeze. breeze. I mean, it, it's just my. It, I was like, Cold, cold breeze, breeze is a different so connotation. <laughs> maybe maybe you graduated to Cold Breeze. <laughs> right. Maybe. Uh, I mean, it's just my personality. I'm really kind of laid back. And, um, you know, I don't let too many things rattle me. So I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of cool. No, I, I can hear that in your work because it's, um, you're, you know, you're addressing things where, you know, the choice is you could get mad or you could make it funny and you make it funny. Um, yes. What, and you've actually, a lot of the gigs that you've done have been, uh, in support of pretty serious issues. I mean, it's um, mm-hmm. you, in 2011, you did, uh, you performed at the San Francisco Women Against Rapes, um, mm-hmm. She Who Last Last. Um, mm-hmm. What was that like, getting involved in something like that? And how do you hone your material for that kind of an event? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of grew up in a in a pretty political kind of militant family. So uh, there's always been issues that I'm, you know, passionate about. And, um, you know, that organization, you know, fighting against rape is, is something that I definitely uh, always want to help them raise money and, you know, keep doing what they do. And, you know, I've done shows, you know, about guns and gun violence and, you know, mm-hmm. from the ACLU. So, um yeah, it's, I mean, I have a, a large swath of material, so I know pretty much what's going to do well, you know, with certain audiences. Um, so uh, definitely when I did the, that event, um, you know, I have a lot of material catering to women and, and how women are treated and just how we have to walk in the world. So, um, you know, they really uh, enjoyed that. Yeah, no, I... Uh, what? I mean, your 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 humor is so infectious. I mean, because it's it's it, it is it is cool breeze. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's you're telling a story, and then all of a sudden, boom! And it's like, um, yeah, it's uh, it's hilarious. Um, Thank you. Some of the material on the the uh, the new album, um, you talk about pets a lot. <laughs> what what are you feeling about pets? Uh, I I I don't have one. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm actually, I, 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 okay. I don't like pets. Like, I don't like what people do with pets. You know what I mean? It's like they bring, bring them places they shouldn't be. It's like they use them to do things they shouldn't be doing. Uh, they got clothes on them, which is highly unnecessary. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, your pet didn't consent to that. I'm, you just, you're, that's abuse. Uh, they have fur. I'm like, what? <laughs> Like what are you doing putting a, a wool jacket on them? That's that's a... <laughs> so that well, I I love your point that 
about how you were being held um, accountable to to people's pets in terms of their their judgment of you. Yeah, that's crazy. Haven't you had that where people are like, oh, if my dog doesn't like you, then, you know, i got to look out for you because okay. my, like my dog has some kind of, like, good person meter or something. You know? <laughs> I'm like, no. I, I have a doesn't. confession to make. I've actually I've been on the other side of that where my, my dog didn't like a date that came in and um, – <laughs> You know, I, not that I was like really giving my dog the credibility, but I used it. You know, it's like, oh, sorry. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's what they're doing. Okay. <laughs> so you just use it when you need to. like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you know, if the, guy's, I got if the guy's really hot, it's like, forget the dog. Forget the dog. Right, right, right. Like, I, like <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, dog okay, has no so you got you, you got to just flip it. All right. So now I understand. Now yeah. I understand. There you go. There you go. So one routine ruined. Oh my God. <laughs> now you have opened for quite the stellar list of um, of artists. How how did you get all those gigs? And what was that like? Um, it's uh, it's exciting, you know, to see. Um, some of the best uh, stand-up comics in our in our lifetime, you know, uh, and to see them work, and it's inspiring because you want to get to where they're at, right? <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and and you know, and a lot of them, you know, they give me you know a lot of advice about you know my career and how you know I can get better, do better, uh, continue to work on my craft. So, I mean, it's it's. It was really a thrill. What was what was the best piece of advice and who gave it to you? <laughs> um, the best piece of advice. Probably um my friend Gina Yashare. She's um you know, she currently has a show on um CBS right now called Bob Hart's Abishola. Um, and she just just tells me how to navigate this industry, you know, as a black woman, you know, because we're kind of held to a different standard as far as, um, you know, being funny and being prepared and just always being on time and being, you know what I mean? Like we can't slack off like white guys. <laughs> like we can't do yeah. So... I mean, she's just like, you know, we, we always got to have our ducks in a row, and so I always try to do that. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, that's ridiculous, and, you know, I mean, I love professionalism, but but still, it's like, it's, it's absurd that, it's absurd who gets away with it. Um, oh, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we, uh, just, we just always got to be on our... Um, we we got to be on our P's and Q's. And you, you talked about having, you know, a lot of material. I, one of the things that I remember from the biopic or the documentary on Joan Rivers was she had this room that was just filled with these old card files. And she had like mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of, of jokes that she had filed away and she tested and all that. Uh, do you have a similar process, or how do you how do you keep all that organized for yourself? 
You know, I probably have, you know, 40 or 50 notebooks, you know, filled with jokes. I have, I'm not as organized as Joan. I don't have, because you probably have assistants too. It's just me. Uh, oh, yeah. She, probably, she had a corporation. She had people, yeah, helping, yeah. Her, yeah, she yeah. Had people helping her organize yeah. it. Uh, so now mine are just sitting in like stacks and stacks of, of notebooks. And from time to time, I just go through them. And I will like pull, you know, some jokes, you know, if they don't work, sometimes you stop working on them. And sometimes, you know, you can pull them back out and, you know, revive them and, and they'll start to work. So from time to time, I just go through my old notebooks and I'm like, oh, this is really good. You know, I should continue to try to work this joke, you know, and, and sometimes it it's successful and sometimes it's not. But, um, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of material that comics have that sometimes is just sitting on the shelf. You know what I mean? It's like uh, we have an idea. We haven't quite, you know, worked it through. But it's like there's it, it, a good premise there somewhere, but you you gotta you got to work through it. Right. It, it's got to be a tough time. It's got to be a tough time to be a comedian with, like the. It seems like comedians are under even greater scrutiny than ever before. That you not cross the wrong line in insulting people, et cetera. Um, how do you navigate that, and what do you feel about kind of the? I'm going to use the term cancel culture, but that that kind of environment of today. I don't really know if that's true. Uh, <laughs> um, I think being in comedy, there have always been things that people don't like, uh, and right. people choose the comics that they want to listen to. I mean, there are a lot of comics uh, that people don't like their material. They don't like what they say. They don't like how they say it. Um, but I have yet to see anyone canceled in comedy for anything they said. I mean, even Louis C.K., I mean, he was <laughs> he was doing shows, I think, a year after all of the stuff happened. He has a, he has a special out right now that he just released. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't really think cancel culture is a thing. I've heard oh, about good. it. Well, that's... <laughs> but I don't really I don't really I don't really see it happening. <laughs> So it's kind of out there with the cancel culture, Santa Claus, Easter Bunny. Yeah, like <laughs> I, yeah, I, 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 I've yet to see it. Uh, if, it, it, it. It is the same today as it has always been. If you don't like a comic, you don't like what they say, don't see them, don't support their right. shows, don't support their uh, Netflix specials. You know, that's, that's the way it has always been. Yeah, no, it's... Um, I mean, and that, that's the way it should be. I mean, it's like that's mm-hmm. what, with all the choices of uh, all the viewing that you possibly could do, you have choice. And it's not, today right. it's not even a matter of that you're, you have to boycott anybody. It's just, you, there's so much you just can't get to at all. Um, right, right. There's, there's I do a wanna, lot of yeah. content. I, I do want to call in Brody now because I did, I made a comment about this at the top of the show, but um, he actually, Gave a call to his friend uh, Wanda Sykes. Wanda Sykes. Where's my my mouth today? Um, Brody, what was that phone call like? I was just saying it was kind of like a you know, have you heard what do you think type thing, and you know that rather gravelly voice of hers, uh, you know, <laughs> was an. <laughs> it's like having God talk to you. <laughs> mm. 
I mean, it's almost like a Saturday Night Live sketch. You can see Wanda coming down the mountain with the two tablets. Um, <laughs> uh, I, lo- I love scary, Wanda. That's a scary thought. Um, no, you got a ringing endorsement. Um, you know, really? And it, wow. it's, well, you know, up and coming comics sometimes I think, you know, it's tough for you guys, you know, especially yeah. when you're first starting out and things like that. I had a conversation. Uh, with Gabriel Iglesias one time, Fluffy. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, Fluffy, Fluffy is probably one of the hardest working comics on the circuit that I can think of. I mean, For sure. the man's constantly yeah. doing shows, you know. And, you yeah. know, he's Mexican-American, you know, he runs into, you know, but, I mean, the way he plays off of his culture and his background and some other things, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he's able to turn the barb. And mm-hmm. there's a real talent for that. And I think mm-hmm. when the more senior comics, and I'm going to get some, boy, I'm not going to catch it for this one. The more senior comics, okay, have a tendency to recognize in the, the generation coming up behind them and in the new talent, you know, the same things that they faced, I think, uh, you know, when they were first starting out, when they were first doing their sick, uh, and it's not easy. I mean, comedy is what I've always referred to, and I'm a political reporter, as barbed observation, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys mm-hmm. have a tendency to humor reality. Um, yes. And, you know, I, I am so appreciative, especially uh, with black comics and black comedy, because there's such a richness to your culture there that's so funny. And mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough uh, to uh, be sitting in a show with uh, – uh, at, it, was a, it was a special show at Howard University, and uh, Chris Rock was putting it on because he's alumni of Howard. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the jokes, of course, was something that I could easily relate to, was he was talking about, you know, growing up, you know, in his household, you know, you didn't piss off the uh, ladies that wore the Sunday going to meeting hats and had the fans because they'd beat you to death. And, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're sickening <laughs> because you get it. There's going to be a few of our listeners out there who are Lily White going, what the hell are they talking about? Um, <laughs> oops. <laughs> but that's, you know, it's, I, that's, to me, that's the really kind of the vibrant thing about it. You know, it's sort of the older generation, if you will, or the more senior generation of comedians. Jay Leno, if you're listening, mm-hmm. this means you, Jay. Um, you know, <laughs> I think they have an appreciation for you know, the, and, and the material and, and the barb skewers, as I put it. Uh, and so, yeah, props to you. Yeah, I mean, I think everything, <laughs> also they know, like, how hard it is coming up, <laughs> you know, as a as a comedian who's not, you know, who doesn't have, like, all the the fame and recognition that Wanda has, you know. So I, I yeah, think well, it's probably a she appreciates the grind. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, which I'm, which I'm sure I mean, she's still doing, but, you know, she's doing it on a oh, yeah. Well, level, I mean, I, yeah. I honestly think that once you're in comedy that, you know, it just, it's something that, you know, you, you just, you know, it's just something you just, I don't think any, you really ever give up. Even the ones that migrate over into, you know, acting careers or what have you, you know. Right. Uh, right. Or, they, it, or they end up hosting like Jay did. Yeah, but they, they, what do they do? They go back to doing the circuit because the one thing that is probably the best about your profession is that you've got such a direct connect with mm. that audience. Okay, to the people, the yeah. Clock, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I mean, it's, it's, it's the first love, yeah. right? It's the first love. And yeah. even if you go on and do TV and movies and everything, you know, most most people still go back and do club shows, do club dates. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know? I mean, even... Well, I don't... I think, I, think the, I think the club dates are more authentically you. I mean, it's like yeah, your... It's, 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 it's your... It's, it is your delivery. It's everything uh, that you do that is, you know, part of the the performance of comedy, but it's also your mind, your heart, and everything else behind what you're saying. Whereas when you get cast yeah. in something else, it's somebody else's words, somebody else's vision, mm-hmm. and you are pulling yeah. that out. I mean, you know, like I mean, Wanda was a sunk my... in, a, in a kid's movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, you know, so, you know, yeah, all of, all of my all of my you know friends that I know who do comedy that are doing TV and movies. I mean, comedy is where uh, they love to get back to because everything on that stage is them. <laughs> everything that that yeah. that they say is is their thought, is their take on the world. I mean, it's it's total freedom. I mean, you you just you don't have that uh, in any other uh, medium. I don't think. No, absolutely mm-hmm. not. And let me ask you, because I've noticed that some comedians, um, you know, I, I get all sorts of like little TikTok things and everything else. <laughs> and a lot of the comedians that are featured in TikTok, they are, mm-hmm. this, these are ad libs. I mean, they're reacting to audience members. It's not pre-thought mm-hmm. out content. Um, is, that, is that part of what you, your repertoire, or are you more controlled um i think i'm more controlled but i do do like audience um participation and uh i have not gotten on tiktok yet like it's it's the social media thing like i'm like i'm I'm on i'm on a lot of stuff i'm like tiktok i don't know if i can add that to my plate right now even though everybody's telling me that i should i'm like okay now i gotta do another thing that's what you have yeah, that's what you have a daughter for. She's got to guide you into she's, that. Yeah, she's, she's got to tell me how to TikTok, Snapchat, all of it. Yeah, I, I have two 19-year-old sons, and they're they're not performers; they're partakers of. And um, but it's it, if if you're under probably 25 these days, it, mm-hmm. you're TikToking. I mean, that's just, just yeah. Uh, but even some of my older comedian friends now are on TikTok, and I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah. That's not to say what that we, the people taking, yeah, who are consuming it are the younger people. But, uh, no, yeah, yeah. I'm, the thing, the thing that shocked me about TikTok was the music that I was hearing on TikTok was the Bee Gees and Patrice Russian. I mean, it's yeah, like, that, that, they're not... And I love, I love that. I'm like, people know who Patrice Russian is? Like, I'm all for that, bringing up, like, old oh, yeah. artists who, who, who should have, like, you know, a bigger audience. So, yeah, I was loving that, actually, when I, I was seeing it um, in my Instagram feed because people, like, link their Instagram with the TikTok. So that's the only way I see TikTok is, is on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you, you don't have to be young in the material um, on TikTok, it's um, but it, and and I think there's uh, TikTok is reaching the older audiences now too, but um, it yeah. definitely is. Gonna... Got the young, 
I'm I'm probably once the album drops, I'm probably gonna have to get on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> we we will we will we will push you towards it. Um, let's go back to the album. Tell tell me how um, Black and Blue came about, and had you been planning to do an album um, ahead of it? Yeah, you know we had actually planned to do this album a year before we actually did it. You know, but it was in the middle of the pandemic, so um, we sort of pushed it out. Um, for over a year, and um, we finally got a window where it was like the Delta variant was ending, and it was before, you know, Omicron jumped off. So we, we had like a little window <laughs> of time where people, you know, were were uh, okay with coming to a comedy club. So uh, we recorded it, and, um, you know, it was a lot of fun. I, I recorded it with my, my friend, Daya, um we both recorded our comedy albums the same night, so it was it was really fun. Uh, we did we did like a oh, lot cool. of shows uh, in like Portland and Seattle to you know test out the material and some shows in L.A. and in the Bay. So uh, it was so fun. It, every 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 track on the album was all part of the same set that you did that night. Is that right? Well, actually, we did it over two nights. So yeah, we we um, okay like. Ninety percent of the album was probably from the first night we recorded it, and then ten uh, percent was probably from the second night. But yeah, it was from the it was from the same two nights. And one of the the, the uh, tracks on the album, um, you do talk about going for Hollywood and casting, and mm-hmm. um, talk about the typecasting. <laughs> I mean, are you are you really hitting? that much typecasting or um um and and if so how are you dealing with it uh yeah i mean uh, the the only parts that i've i've read for have have been lesbian so uh <laughs> i think um uh you know they think that i can play that part well and i probably can but uh you know nobody's sending me out for like straight roles uh, and like, you know, the girl next door. Uh, right. And that's you know, if if that's how I get my foot in the door, you know, that's fine. But uh, you know, one of the things I say in the joke is like, you guys let Tom Cruise play a samurai. You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, right. Seriously. You no, know, we, we 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 can stretch it a little bit. Like I I can do some other things. Yeah. No. It's. I mean, that's one of the things of the. Um, the actors in the um, series Pose, um, a lot of the women in that show, I want to see them play straight roles. I want to see them play cisgender mm-hmm. mm-hmm. straight women because that there's no reason that they, they shouldn't. They're talented. They're, you know, and they're, you know, I lose sight of the fact that they're even trans. It's just, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think Hollywood probably is not ready for that. I mean, they, they're very comfortable with straight people playing gay and lesbian trans roles, but they're really not comfortable the other way around. I don't, you know what yeah. I mean? Or they're not comfortable with um, gay people playing straight roles or trans women playing cisgender women. Like, they don't have, <laughs> I don't think they have the capability of, of seeing that uh, right now. Certainly they can yeah. do it, but I don't know if Hollywood will let them do it. 
Right, right. Um, one of the other things that you that is obviously weaved through your your material is kind of like the what I'll call the lesbian experience. Um, <laughs> you know, you mm-hmm. you talk about lesbian weddings. Um, <laughs> what what. <laughs> What 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 do uh, people have, have, know have, about that? <laughs> have you been to a lesbian wedding? You know what? I not in person. I have I have <laughs> watched videos of lesbian weddings. It's like I don't I don't know if I get a you know I'm a card carrying enough to 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 actually be the one in person. I mean, you know, one thing you gotta know about lesbians is they love the outdoors. Uh, a lot of things they do got to be, uh, you know, in the woods. So that includes weddings. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm not really one of those lesbians. Like, I talk, like, I will hike, but, like, I'm not one of those people who's, like, hiking with, like, the whole backpack and, you know, you you stay out there more than, you know, an hour like I'm not one of those lesbians. Like they <laughs> hike and you know they put a tent down and they stay and they no I'm not doing that. <laughs> like I'm going on a little leisurely hike in the sun and then I'm coming home. <laughs> you know that's uh, that's all I do. Uh, but yeah, you know I'm I'm not one of those REI lesbians. Like that's that's not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I remember I remember what you said to the guy when he. Um, Asked you what kind of knife you needed for the woods. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know, sir. You work here. You tell me what kind of knife I need. <laughs> well, do you need one to make a shelter? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm very casual about my outdoor life. Like, I'm not like, you know, I, I, I don't need a whole lot. Yeah, I, I hear you. I. I've done my roughing it time, um, but uh, just one camping trip where we had to go three days without showers, and no. when I did have a no, shower, no, it was no, no, cold water. It was like no, no yeah, no, it was no. I. So where was I, that? So I, I will. It was actually Northern California. It was Big Basin. Um, oh, uh, okay. We did camping up there, and um, uh, I'm definitely not that, you, not was, that girl. Well, I'm not that I don't, boy I don't, either. <laughs> I don't want anything where I have to. Uh, did you guys have tents, or were you like in the RV? We actually did. They did have the. I'm going to call them cabins. They weren't really cabins. They were structures. Uh, so you with did the, wooden, you did the glamping things. That's not real camping. You did glamping. Oh no no this this was this was not I this wasn't glamping like I'm when I, that's why I say I'm saying cabin but what I really mean is shed with a oh, okay. hard <laughs> board in it. It was not <laughs> I know what you mean by glamping. It was not that. <laughs> okay. Was, oh you so you it was so you did rough it. Okay. All right. I, I kudos yeah, to you. No, I, I can't do it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I can well, I cannot. I mean, like can't. I'm too My friends will tell you like I'm too bougie to be out in the woods roughing it. No, 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 no. <laughs> well tell you, can can you imagine a gay guy for three days without a shower? Yeah, I <laughs> that I, I, that and no blow dryer. No, <laughs> that's probably the, the worst time for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So I, I thank thank you for your condolences. It was it was hell. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not the worst thing I've been through. But <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh-huh. Yeah, so, I'm, 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 not the, I'm not the outdoors girl who can stay out there overnight. I, I'm not really that girl. Mm-mm. So um, I want to switch over to um, one commonality you and I have. I'm a pescatarian as well, which you alluded oh, okay. to being in your in your bed. So how did you yes. how did you come across your uh, eating habits? Um, you know, I was having some health issues, and um, I had a friend who who was a pescatarian, and she said, you know, that I should try it. And I'm like, mm, just fish. I don't know. Is it how that's going to work? Um, you know, and I did it for a couple of years, and then I kind of, um, during the pandemic, I kind of uh, fell out of it, and then I got back into it. So, I mean, I just I just feel much healthier and so much better when I, I just eat fish. Um, yeah. Even though I know, you know, fish can be farmed and it can be over-processed, but it's like, you know, with meat, you know, they they put so many things into it. <laughs> You know hormones. And oh yeah, yeah. All the all this kind of the way that they farm is just this industrialized way that you know I just feel like animals shouldn't be um, treated that way. So I'm just like, let me just try to be a pescatarian, and you know it it has worked for me. Actually, now I'm trying to go towards more vegetarianism, and I you know I want to eat fish, you know once or twice a week, but um, I want to be mostly vegetarian by the end of 2022. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually went the other direction. I, it's like I got <laughs> challenged um, to be a vegan, and I wow. did. I ate vegan for for um, a year, year and a half, and um, then I was I was just having trouble getting enough protein, so mm-hmm. I started in, mm-hmm. and plus when you go out to eat, it's like, trying to uncouple a dish that they're serving you so that it's just vegan mm-hmm. is, is really difficult. So I, I, I edged back into vegetarian, and then I okay. decided I really still wanted to get away from a lot of the dairy that mm. was coming into the vegetarian. So I figured, okay, I'm going to swap. I'm going to take less dairy protein, but I'm going to add occasional fish. And um, okay. I'm still great. It's I highly recommend it. And yeah, that, plant that, based that's where I, majority. Yeah, that's where I want to be. Yeah. Plant based majority, and you know, occasionally fish. Like that's that that's perfect for me. Yeah. So it's yeah. Your kudos. You know that I and 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 it it is. I I feel I feel great um, with it. And um, yeah, I try to influence so much. Um, some. You know, I, I try to influence some people, <laughs> Brody, <laughs> into eating a little bit. <laughs> Brody. Nah, not, um, not working? Not working? No. Oh. I mean, I did, I'm not, you know, in fairness, okay, I see what he eats and stuff, and it's, you know, it's, it's good. And I've actually prepared him with his, uh, one of his sons is learning how to be a chef, basically. And we've we've done some recipes that are non-vegetarian, vegan recipes that I have altered mm-hmm. in order to work for his diet that he's really enjoyed. Um, okay. But I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't eat a lot of red meat. I eat a lot of chicken. I like my fish, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, and I like my peas. I have, but mm-hmm. I, the thing is I have a very simple diet. So, okay. you know, Rob's a little bit more complex in the diet than I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, you know. <laughs> yeah. I will. Have you guys been to um, 
Have you guys been to Irwan in L.A.? Like when I moved down here, like that was the big thing. People were telling me to go to, you know, to that store and, um, you know, they have all this vegan, vegetarian, uh, keto, all the all the L.A. diet foods there. They have not been there, but, yeah, it's um, – and I will say with Brody's diet, the one concession I will give him is he does eat peas, eat peas occasionally. Um, you know, but I don't like peas at all. Rationalization. I'm not crazy about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> they have to be they have to be like pulverized in a, a smoothie or something for me. But um, yeah, <laughs> I'll take them there. So, um, uh, Karinda, what is next for you? You know, the album is out. It's coming out February fourth. What What are the plans? Are you going to tour? What What um, What's the horizon like? Yeah, we're hoping. I'm hoping to do some touring uh, this summer. It, Obviously, it all depends on um, COVID and the next variant. <laughs> uh, if yeah. we're out of the, you know, the woods of, you know, these these very high spiking numbers of COVID, uh, I want to be responsible. So I want to make sure that, you know, people can come to the shows uh, and feel safe and feel comfortable. So hopefully, yeah, totally. if if, yeah. if if we're out of the woods in the summer, I I definitely want to hit the road. I definitely when I get to New York and um, the East Coast, Philly, um, D.C. Uh, so, and also I want to hit the South a little bit, Atlanta. So hopefully we can we can put some, some shows together and, you know, support the album. Right. Yeah. Have you done um, any shows in the South before? Actually, yeah, I did. Um, Debbie Kamal Bell took me uh, out on his, his tour a couple of years ago, and we did do shows um, uh, in Atlanta, and uh, they were great. They were fantastic. Yeah. I, I loved. Uh, I loved it there. Um, so hopefully, I can I can get back there and do and do some more do some more shows. So, if you uh, going back to Hollywood, if you could construct a like a sitcom for yourself and, you know, write and envision what, what that would be. What, what kind of storyline would you want to, what kind of character would you love to play? You know, I worked in biotech for 15 years. So I think <laughs> I would definitely write about my experiences as being a black woman in biotech. I mean, it's at, every day, uh, there was either a hilarious or a cringe moment that I can write about. So I can definitely construct a whole office <laughs> workplace to come around my life there. Uh I have I have the characters, I have the everything. It's 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 ready, set, go. Uh, awesome. <laughs> that that should happen. And I, I don't think there's ever been a show about a black person in tech. So I mean it it's it would be hilarious, I think. Yeah, no, actually that would be that would be so so awesome because it, it, it does it goes I mean it's like women you know it's like women are cast either as the housewife or the hooker mm-hmm. and uh, you know I think a lot of black women are cast either as like the, the hanger the, the supermodel yeah, yeah 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 or or in the in the not too distant past the servant which is but yeah yeah I think, I yeah, think the, um, you know, Issa Rae, you know, kind of showed us that if you want to have a show that's reflective of, of 
the kind of blackness you want to see. You have to build it yourself. You know, she started yeah. her her show on YouTube, and then when she had a lot of, you know, followers and all that, you know, all the networks started com- coming to knock on her door. But, you know, she created the kind of characters that, you know, just regular black people. That's, that's what I want my show to be. You know, we don't really see that. You know, we always see kind of these stereotypical things, and it's like we, we haven't seen a black woman in tech. Like that show to me would just be groundbreaking. Yeah, no, it, it totally would. I mean, there there was the movie Hidden Figures, but that almost mm-hmm. made the point because yeah. it, that was the point of it that 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 you know these these women who were um, you know aerial physicists were were hidden and yeah know, nobody. So I, was, I was so I was so mad at my um, educational upbringing, so to speak. I'm just like, why didn't I know about these women? I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. No, uh, I agree. Yeah, I was, I, 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 I was, I'm I was very, I was very yeah. up. Yeah, we, I was like, how come we didn't know? How come we didn't know? Yeah. Nobody and, knows. I mean, that. that's part of, that, and it's part of what we're fighting for right now because, I mean, in this wave of voter suppression and everything mm-hmm. else is also this wave of censorship that is they're so afraid of um, critical race theory which isn't even being taught that they're actually going in and suppressing materials on LGBTQ history and black right. history and civil rights and and if you um, ask, if you ask those people who are banning critical race theory what it is they couldn't tell you they couldn't tell no. you what it is they don't know yeah and number one, yeah. it's not even and, being taught in K through twelve. It never was. It was always, you know, being taught in colleges. So I'm just like, exactly. what are you talking about? You're banning something that's not even there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's insane. And you know, I mean, we're so far away from looking at some things that we need to look at, like yeah. the different systems that were set up and were designed mm-hmm. to accommodate slavery. I mean, we still mm-hmm. have those systems in place now. And, you know, it's just, it, it, it just, it gets super frustrating. But we're never and going sure. to get to that point because America never wants to look at its past. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they're, that's why they're banning a lot of this history. It's kind of like we can never really get to a place of racial reconciliation until we deal with our past, but we don't want to do that. And so instead what we right. want to do is ban the kids from learning about it, which is so preposterous. <laughs> yeah. And, it's like, and, it, ha- it, it happened. Why don't you want people to know it happened? I, I, it's, yeah. it's very frustrating. And and they're going to know. I mean, that's it, it will get known. It, it just, you know, it's like, it's, it's sort of like the genie out of the bottle. You know, it's like once, once you take it out, yeah. you may, but you I may, you may ban the book about it. Yeah, I don't understand why all of these politicians spend that much energy on banning history in schools. And a lot of these politicians are running on banning uh, history uh, in schools. It's like we have so many other pressing issues in America. Like why are you, why is this even taking up a second of your time? Yeah. I no mean, kidding. homelessness. I mean, it's like we have. Home, home, homelessness is out of control. We don't have, um, you know, universal health care, um, you know. People are dumping stuff into our rivers and streams. Our, our chemicals. Uh, it's just yeah. And every do you mind if I, do you mind if I the climate change. 
Well, you have about a second, Brody, because we've got only three minutes left. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, let me weigh in real quick. This is trending on Twitter right now. Okay. This was a question that was asked of U.S. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, okay, before the voting rights bill last night, okay? This is what he was asked by a reporter about that. Here's his answer. Well, the concern is misplaced because if you look at the statistics, African-American voters are voting in just as much of a high percentage as Americans. (laughs) I mean, he just said out loud what we know that they believe is that African-Americans aren't really Americans. They they really... Yep. They really only count white people as Americans, and everybody else is just kind of here, you know, twiddling our thumbs. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we, I, I, you know, more more fodder for you for your next routine. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, no. I, I, I did a show in Louisville, and uh, Miss McConnell, you know, he, he definitely got it. I, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Good. 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 Because I, I was there during an election year, and I kept seeing his um, his his ads running. I'm like, I gotta I gotta drag this guy. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, he, he's right. So, uh, Corinda, we've got two minutes left. Um, how how do people find the album? How do they get it, and how do they absorb uh, it? They can go to blondemedicine.com, uh, or they can go to my website, corindadobbins.com. There's also a link there, you know, and they can follow me on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Um, so yeah, I hope I hope they they get the album on February fourth, and uh, and I hope they enjoy it. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Uh, and, and they really need, they really need to get the vinyl because the vinyl is so dope. Like it's gone the the oh. album is gone. It's actually going to be like black and blue, like the color of the oh, album. Oh, that's awesome! So that's- it's gonna be nice. That is awesome. So get it, folks. I've listened to it. It's hilarious. It's wonderful. I want to thank Corinda for joining us today. Um, we're going to watch you, and we're so excited for, for you to take off. This is, this is going to be great. I want to thank Brody for his help and also um, as editor of the Los Angeles Blade. Check out the Los Angeles Blade. Um, it is published in print and online, and um, it is well worth the read every single day. And for those of us at Rated LGBT Radio, we will be back again next week with a really fantastic show as well. I have no idea what it is, but <laughs> it is going to be fantastic. So, thank um, you guys for, for having me. Team, I, re- I really enjoyed it. Thank you, us too. Um, and you have to come back. Oh, for <laughs> and sure. And we will Definitely. talk to everybody sometime soon. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio!